Thank you, uh, Michelle, for sharing with us. Uh, sometimes how Michelle shares is as enjoyable as what she shares. So uh, praise God for that. Uh, I'm DL. If you're new, uh, DL, that's what people call me, uh, David Larry. That, that's what it stands for. Um, with a kind of a, with a label like that, with a handle like that, it's easy to be uh, uh, confused as to who this DL person is. Uh, I've heard uh, some different things about uh, who people thought I was. There was a time I was at a wedding recently, and someone introduced me to their friend, said this is, he didn't know me very well. Uh, he was a groomsman of uh, someone that I was doing their wedding for. And this guy said, oh, yeah, meet, uh, meet pastor. This is DL. It stands for uh, David Lee. <laughs> I said, okay, that's cool. Uh, not true, but uh, to each his own. Uh, there's another time where people were like, yeah, this guy, his name is, that guy's name is David Larry. And so people are like, why is his last name Larry? Like, they thought that was so weird. And, and uh, there would be a time where someone was like, hey, is it really true that uh, you're half Korean? Because, like, someone told me that, that's why your last name is Larry. And then I looked at you, and I, yeah, he doesn't look fully Korean. So it made sense. I said, no, that's not true. And there was other people who said his name is David Larry because he was, he was adopted when he was young. And I said, well... That's all very interesting. Uh, none of it is true, though. So I said, hey, you know, these are pretty cool stories, but let me tell you who I really am. If, if you want to listen, um, actually, I am fully Korean. Uh, I was born in America, but both of my parents are Korean. My actual name is David Kim, and I got this name Larry when I was in high school because there are so many people named David Kim in my church that people said, we're going to give you the most non-Korean name out there, Larry, and you're going to be David Larry now, and I was never adopted. This is who I am. It's interesting because you can make a lot of assumptions about a person based on things that you think to be true and based on what other people tell you are true, but the best way to find out is by hearing what that person says about themselves. And so it is with Jesus. I think a lot of us have a lot of assumptions that we make about Jesus. I did, and I, maybe I still do. When I was growing up, I thought Jesus was American. Did you? Like, I thought he was like white, Caucasian, and Anglo-looking dude, like, because those are the pictures that hung in my house. I thought Jesus was American. Blue eyes, beautiful guy, spoke perfect English, because that's what all the movies he was speaking English. Uh, that's what I thought about Jesus. I also thought that he never got angry. I thought Jesus was like the nicest guy because you see pictures of him like holding like baby lamb, like real sweet, like that's Jesus. How could he, how could someone who holds a, a lamb get angry, right? That's Jesus. That's who he is. I had all of these thoughts about who Jesus was. I thought Jesus will only answer the prayers that you pray if your eyes are closed because that's what they told us in elementary school at church. They said, close your eyes, and so I would close my eyes. I even thought that I could trick Jesus into thinking that my eyes were closed if I squinted really tight, but I wanted to look around at what other people were doing. I thought I could fool Jesus, but I came to realize that the Jesus I thought I knew was a Jesus that was built upon assumptions that I had created in my mind and based upon assumptions that I had formulated based on what other people had told me. As I began to read the Bible, I began to realize, wow, there is a Jesus that I thought I knew, but I don't actually know who he is. And I thought, I thought that it would be most helpful for me to go and find out who Jesus is, not based on what people told me, not based on what I thought he ought to be like or look like, but based on what he says about himself. And as we begin this new series on rediscovering Jesus, 
I want to do that together with us because I think in, in our minds, some of us have these misguided notions of who Jesus is. We have some assumptions about who Jesus is. Maybe we have some true beliefs about who Jesus is, but we don't know why these things are true. What I want to do over the next eight weeks is rediscover this person of Jesus by asking him, Jesus, who do you say you are? What do you say? What is your self-revelation about yourself? Because in the Gospel of John... Jesus, seven times over, begins a description of himself by saying, I am dot, dot, dot. The number seven in the Bible represents completion. The number seven represents perfection. Wherever you see seven, right, seven days in a week, it's completion, it's perfection, the job is complete. So our hope is that at the end of our seven statements as to who Jesus is, we will have a full-orbed picture of who Jesus is in order that we might love worship, follow, and adore him more properly. Does that sound cool to you? That sounds really, I'm excited. I'm so excited uh, to walk with us uh, through this time. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 25, the first of these I am statements. Uh, John 6, 25 comes in the middle of uh, John chapter 6, obviously. And what's happened in John chapter 6 is Jesus has done this crazy miracle where there were thousands of people on the east, on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, and they were hungry because they'd been there for like days, and they didn't have any food. Okay, there was no convenience store. It's kind of like, you know, you, you, uh, people were asking online in the aftermath of the hurricane, is there any place open for food? Is there a 7-Eleven? Is there a Wawa? Is there a Roy Rogers? <laughs> Not Roy Rogers, but is there like a Burger King or anything open? That's kind of the way it was when Jesus was uh, hanging out, teaching these thousands of people. It says there are 5,000 men. There are probably some women and children there, upwards of 10,000 people, and there's nothing open, nothing in town for them to eat. And so Jesus feeds them miraculously with five pieces of bread and two fish, and he feeds these people. Right after that, he goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and he walks on water. Two crazy miracles, feeding and walking on water. And the gospel writer John makes it clear to us that the time of year is Passover. So in our day here, we have a couple holidays, religious holidays that we celebrate. Christmas, every year, we hearken back to Jesus' birth. Easter, every year, we, we hearken back to Jesus' resurrection. Passover was a time where the ancient Israelites would look back and remember the deliverance of God when the people of God were slaves in Egypt, and God set them free by a miracle of God's grace. And they went into the wilderness uh, to get to the promised land, and in the wilderness... God miraculously fed them with bread from heaven called manna. And then soon after, or right before that, um, in order to escape the Egyptian army, Red Sea before them, Moses performs this miracle where the seas part and they walk through on dry ground, whereas the Egyptian army behind them got engulfed by the waters that closed up on them. So the miracle of bread and the miracle of water... And Moses said, a greater prophet is going to come who's far better than me. And so Jesus has just performed this miracle of bread and this miracle of water, and so this buzz begins to grow. Could this man, Jesus, be the one that Moses talked about 1,500 years ago? Right? There's this palpable sense of expectation and longing for this could be the one. 
And so we pick up in John 6, 25, after Jesus has fed the 5,000 and walked on water, verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And if you jump down to verse 47 through 51, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. This is God's word. Life-changing stuff. I pray that it would change your lives as we hear this. Jesus, for the first time in the Gospel of John, begins to reveal to the crowds who he is. He doesn't say, now, I'm your king, I'm your miracle worker, I am Israel's greatest teacher. He says, I am the bread of life. Why does he say that? Why does he say that as the first thing, as the calling card, his introduction to the world? Who are you? He says, I am the bread of life. What does that mean? I just want to bring out three thoughts here that <clears throat> lead us to see uh, why Jesus is so important, utterly indispensable. The first thing, bread is a necessity, uh, not a luxury. Okay, bread is a necessity, not a luxury. Uh, Tuesday, <clears throat> Tuesday before Hurricane Irma came, uh, after our Harvest 201 class, I was going home, and uh, I told Olive, I said, Olive, I'm going to get some things from Walmart, some emergency stuff. And as, we were, uh, as I was going, I uh, ran into one of our sisters from Harvest. She was there shopping for her family. And um, uh, I, I almost ran into her with a card. I said, what are you, what are you, uh, what are you buying? I said, bread. <laughs> She's, bread, that's all I need. All I need is bread. That's all I need. And uh, I said, okay, bye. And, and, and so we went our separate ways. Because in those times... We're not looking for popsicles. <laughs> We're not looking for ice cream. We're looking for things that really matter, right? Water, bread, batteries, all of that stuff. And she said, this is what I need. This is what we need. We need bread. That's all we need. And Jesus is saying, I am the one that you need. Okay. He says, understand this. Bread is not a luxury item. And the people of God, as they hear this, are understanding this. Okay, it's Passover time. They're thinking back to their forefathers in the desert. Listen, if God did not give them bread from heaven, 
If they didn't have manna, they would have died. They're understanding. When he says, I'm the bread of life, he's saying, if you don't have me, you're going to die. Okay, this is your reality. Jesus would later teach them to pray. Actually, before this, he would teach them to pray. And he said, pray to your Father in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Because if you don't have that, then you're not going to make it. He's saying he's being utterly and completely clear that bread is the necessity for your life. This is what you need. And Jesus is saying, I am the one that you need in order to live. He's saying there's nothing complicated about it. It's the universal longing. It wasn't just, you know, sometimes there's this thing where people say, hey, uh, men like meat, but women like bread, right? It's not just, he's saying everyone was like that. Whether you're a man or woman, you're wandering around in the wilderness, if you don't have bread, whether you're a man, woman, or child, if anyone doesn't have bread, they're not going to survive. And this is what he's saying. You understand this because in every culture, in every culture, any country that you go to, wherever you go on this earth, okay, Uh, Whenever you sit down to eat, there will always be some kind of bread that they give you, right? Every meal in Ecuador, every meal in the Dominican Republic, they may call it something else. In Mexico, they call it tortilla, right? In India or in some places of the Middle East, they call it naan. In Asia, they call it rice. But whatever it is, okay, whatever it is, in every country, There's a thing called bread that everybody understands. It's not like, oh my gosh, we're having bread today. No, it's not a luxury. It's a necessity. Oh, we're having bread. That's what we always eat because bread is necessity for life. Every culture has a bread. No one, so, you know, different cultures can claim different foods as their own. Like we Koreans can say, hey, you know what? Uh, Kimchi, this is our thing. That's not something that the Mexican people invented. Italian people will say, oh, spaghetti, this is our thing, right? We've, we've all got our thing. Americans have General Sills chicken. We all have something that we say is ours. But nobody can lay claim to bread. Oh, yeah, we're the Egyptians. We created bread. No, no one does it because everyone has bread. It is a universal longing for every heart. The orphans and the kings alike will have bread at their table. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, I'm the bread of life. The bread of life. Okay, not just, oh yeah, life, yeah, we, it's a game, it's a cereal. All the, no, he's saying, if you want to really live, like you want to really live, some of us are not really, like we look at life and we, there's got to be more to life. Jesus is saying, this is life. You want to have that kind of a life. Life as it was meant to be lived, the life that is eternal, the life that makes sense, that gives you significance, that you need the bread of life. Saying, don't mistake this. I'm not the, I'm not the butter of life. I'm the bread. I'm not the sesame seeds of life. I'm the bread. I'm not the cream cheese of life. I'm the bread. You, can, you eat sesame seeds, you eat peanut butter, you eat cream cheese, you eat butter, and you're going to die. But he says, as long as you've got bread, you can live. In other words, he's not saying, I'm an add-on on top of what you think is going to give you life. He's saying, I am the essence of life. It's not like, hey, you know what? My life is going pretty good. Life is going pretty good. I can have a little bit of Jesus in my life. No, it doesn't work that way. It might work that way for a little bit, but you see how long that lasts. 
He's, not, he's saying, I'm not the topping on top of your life. I am the bread of life, the absolute, utter essential of your life. You need me if you want to live, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Hey, life is going pretty good. I got a 4.0. I got a great boyfriend. I got a great girlfriend. Things are going well. I'm going to college next year. It'll be a good time for me to introduce Jesus into my life. He's saying, no, 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 no. That's not the way it works. Some of us think, hey, you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bring Jesus into my life once I get my life a little bit more in order. Once I get that raise. Once I get that promotion. Once my work starts cutting back on hours. Once I get through my junior year. Once I finish the SATs. Once I get into college, then I'll get serious about Jesus. He's saying, it doesn't work that way. You know it doesn't work that way. You know it doesn't work that way because it's not working out that way in your life. He's saying, you need me as the absolute essential, the building block of your life, apart from which everything is going to fall apart. Saying, don't mistake this, don't mistake this reality. Right? That's what the people of God are hearing. That's what the Jewish people are hearing here. Right? Jesus is saying, I'm not a luxury, I'm an utter necessity in life. So sometime after... Uh, uh, World War II ended. Uh, after World War II ended, there are a lot of orphans all over Europe. And so the Allied troops, what they did was they brought in these orphans and they put them into these camps and they just took really good care of them. They loved them, they fed them, they cared for them, they read books to them. And these orphaned kids ate better than they've ever eaten in their lives. And yet after some time, the soldiers, the, 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 the troops began to realize that these kids are still living as orphans. They're so afraid. They're so timid. They're so worried. And they, worst of all, could not sleep at night. And so what did they do? One uh, doctor came in and he examined them and he said, okay, this is what you have to do. He gave at night, every single one of them, after they'd eaten their dinner, their stomachs were full, he gave them all a piece of bread. And he gave it to them and he said, don't eat this, but just hold on to it because this will be the bread that you eat tomorrow morning. He said, as the children began to sleep with the bread at night, knowing that there would be bread for them in the morning, everything changed in their lives because they knew they had the one thing that they felt they needed. It was bread. And Jesus is saying, if you get the bread of life, you can sleep well tonight. You get the bread of life. You don't have to live in worry and live in fear and say, one day I'll bring Jesus into my life. He's saying, I am the bread of life, an absolute and utter necessity, not an add-on. He's not the spoiler on the back of your cool new car that you, oh, maybe I want him, maybe I don't. If I have enough money, I'll have him. If I have enough time, I'll have him. He's not he's saying, no, 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 that's not the way it works. He's not that additional trim that you put around the bottom of your house, that beautiful thing to decorate it and to make you look a little bit... He, he's saying, no, I am the very essence of everything that you need. Bread is a necessity. It's not a luxury. This is the first thing that Jesus means when he says, I'm the bread of life. The second thing that we see, okay, the second thing that we have to understand is that the world will sell you bread, but it will rot and it will not satisfy you. The world will tell you that there are certain things that you need to have in order to have life. And what are these things in your life? What are the things that you cling to, guys, when you sleep at night? God, please don't take this away from me. Because you think if that thing is gone, then you will have no more life. 
Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. You can lose everything and still have life if you've got me. I know, um, man, I talked to someone this morning. I was really, you know, I'm bummed about this because um, I was one of uh, many of us in Central Florida. How many of us lost power? Can you raise your hand just so that we, okay, yeah, a lot of us lost power. Anyone still without power? Okay, one, one brother back there. Oh, man, that is hard. Yeah, I was talking with our, uh, so Eddie Yu, uh, college student back there, six days, seven days now, been without power. Uh, I was one of these families, and you might have seen me, me uh, post about this online, but this is awesome. In anticipation of the fact that we're going to lose power, uh, I knew we were going to lose power, so I went on Amazon, and I bought some really cool things. Um, these things, man, this was, I thought it was going to be our lifesaver, um, but thankfully we got power after like a, a day, but uh, I was waiting, waiting, waiting to eat these because... Um, is everyone on it looks so happy and it was like so highly recommended uh, to us and so um, basically what this is this is like food for like people who go camping and hiking this is amazing stuff listen to this start your morning with scrambled eggs that include diced ham and bell peppers sorry caffeine not included it says right, this is awesome scrambled eggs with ham and peppers amazing but wait there's more look at this one if you're not into that kind of stuff vegetables. There's a breakfast skillet. Okay, this is two servings. This is a, start your day right. Made with delicious hash browns. Can you believe that? Hash browns in this bag right here. Not just hash browns. Scrambled eggs, peppers, onions, and pork patty crumble. <laughs> breakfast skillet can be enjoyed on a wrap or right out of the pouch. This is awesome. Yeah, they're loving life right now, these campers. <clears throat> There's, it's not just breakfast, though. Pasta Primavera. This one is made of real zucchini. And this is one's for olive. Cauliflower, broccoli, red and yellow peppers with spiral macaroni in a creamy Parmesan cheese sauce. Eat that whole bag yourself or share it with others as a side dish. Savor the adventure. This is what it is. This is awesome. So um, when the power went out, I said, Olive, Olive, um, you want me to make that? Like as soon as the power went, I say, you want me to make it? Truly, all you have to do is pour boiling water in it and stir it one time and then zip it close. And in eight minutes, you've got savory breakfast skillet. It's amazing stuff. So she said, no, we've got to eat the food that's in the fridge and the freezer first. Did you know that if uh, four hours in the refrigerator, after four hours, you have to throw it out because it goes bad. Right? 24 hours in the freezer, you have to throw it out. Some of you are like, that's why my stomach feels that way. Yeah, you have to throw that stuff out. But here's the good thing about this. It tasted really good, but the best thing, uh, some of you know this. Look at this. Best by May 2047. 30 years. Like, this is crazy. We're not, it's not four hours, not 24. This is 30 years. Not 30 hours, 30 days, 30 months. 30 years. You know, I don't know how old I'll be when I retire, but hypothetically, 65 years old, when I retire, I could bust out all these meals that I bought. All I need to do is boil a big thing of water and just start pouring it in, and we could all eat this like retirement party when I'm 65 years old. This is amazing stuff. So here's the deal. One day, okay, one day, when I'm 80 years old, Olive and I are going to be more in love than ever before. 
without our, you know, we'll put in our fake teeth because we're hungry, and then I'll say, Olive, uh, I'm hungry. Do you remember that time when we were young? There was that hurricane that came through our area, and she'll say, yeah, honey, I reckon I do remember that. You tell you talk when you get older. Yeah, we do remember that. I said, remember that food that we ate that lasts forever? She's like, yeah. Do you remember where that is? She's like, yeah, I'll go get it. And she gets it, and I'll look at it, and I'll say, man, this is that breakfast skillet I talked about in that one sermon. And then I'll look at it, and I'll say, no, this was supposed to last forever, but it expired five years ago. And we'll start crying, and we'll start crying, and we'll start crying. What happened? This was not supposed to go bad. But even the foods that we think will last the longest will one day rot, and they will no longer satisfy us. Jesus says in verse 27, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Whatever bread this world sells you, hey, what is it for some of us? We even take that, that language of, of, of bread and we twist it. We say, you know what? I'm the breadwinner in my home. I got the dough. And we think that's going to give us life. As long as I've got enough money, I've got life. But very quickly, that stuff is going to rot and it's not going to satisfy you. Hey, you know what? Um, I've got this girlfriend, and it's so good. Life is so good. You know what? She was never meant to be the bread of life for you. He, whoever it is, that friend was never meant to be life for you. If you think that person is going to be life for you, that your dreams of, of, of having a family and my baby, my children are going to give me life, that person I marry is going to give me life, you're going to crush that person because he or she or it was never meant, not it, he or she was never meant Never meant, never meant to handle that kind of weight of being the bread of life for you, for me, for anybody else. It will always fail you. That car you bought, those clothes you bought, that designer bag you bought, those shoes, whatever it is, everything that you think is going to give you life is going to fail you. You understand this? Man, that we would understand this. Even the things that promise you in this world, diamonds are forever. You know, I, I, I think some of the worst mistakes I've made in life, the worst regrets that I have in life, because I did not listen to older, mature believers, because I didn't listen to Olive and what she said. When we were dating, she said, hey, uh, I don't need a diamond ring from you. I just need a gummy saver. That's it. That's all I need, something to fit on my, as a symbol. I don't need an engagement ring. But here I am, I'm in seminary, right? I ain't got no money. And people are telling me, you need to save up two months, three months of salary. Right? That's like 80 bucks for me. I'm like, hey, that's cool. <laughs> but I said, I want to, I in, my, in my youthful folly, I said, I'm going to do it the way everybody else does it. I'm going to save up my whatever it is. And I, I created this online savings account called Ring Ring. So it says, when I have this much money, I'm going to know that the Lord's saying it's time for you to go and get engaged and, and marry the woman that you were put on this earth to live with. So I, I, I said, uh, okay, uh, Olive, I know you, you say that, but uh, I'm going to do my own thing. And she waited and she waited and she waited. 
and I bought that ring, and I was excited to give it to her, and I gave it to her, and she was excited. I think she was excited more about the fact that we're going to get married and be together than she is about the ring. But I dropped that money thinking it's going to give that sense of worth and satisfaction. But she hardly ever wears that ring anymore. In fact, after we got married, she, after we had kids, she put that thing away, and all that money is just sitting around, lying around. They say diamonds are forever, but they lose their luster too. I'm praying, man, I want to change this culture. I want to change this culture. And I'm waiting for one couple that's not driven by poverty, but driven by principle. To say, who is it that's telling us we got to drop thousands of dollars on a symbol that will lose its luster? Listen, guys, ladies, listen to me. If you're not somebody without a diamond ring, you're not going to be somebody with a diamond ring. Because your identity and worth is not found in your possessions. It's found in Christ. I'm waiting for one couple to say, you know what? We're going to take to heart what you said. And instead of dropping 10,000, 5,000, 3,000 on a ring, we're going to use it to buy an orphanage in Africa. And we're going to give them the bread of life. Some of, I know a lot of ladies are hollering at our pastor, Daniel. Hey, he ain't going to buy you an expensive ring because he ain't got a lot of money. But he'll give you the bread of life and he'll give you what really matters. Because it's Jesus and it's not no man, it's not no woman, it's not so ring, no ring. It's nothing like that that this world can give to you. Guys, we're deluded into thinking that something in this world is going to satisfy our heart longings. And it's not. It never will. It will always rot. It will always spoil. And it will never satisfy you or me or any other human being. We need to stop clutching to these dreams, these illusory, cursory dreams that will leave us empty and will fade away. We wake up in the morning, the bread is gone. It's not going to do it for us. It's not going to do it for us. There's only one. His name is Jesus. He is the bread of life. Do not work for food that spoils. Because so many of us are giving our lives to these things. And I want to change that culture. Not just to be different, but to be Christ-like. The bread of this world, that it sells you. The bakery will always sell you rotting bread that will never, never satisfy your deepest desires. Second thing, last thing, okay, last thing we see. Jesus didn't come to give you the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus didn't come to give you the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, tell you the truth, you ain't looking for me because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Here's what Jesus is saying. You're looking for me because I fed you all that food. You're not looking for me because you saw what the miracle pointed to, the sign that it was pointing to. Here's what the sign is pointing to. You ate all of that bread, and that's what you want. But Jesus is saying, the bread points to the fact that I am the bread of life. Just as you ate that bread, and without that bread, you'd have died in the countryside. If you don't eat me, then you're going to die forever. Well, here's what Jesus is doing. He's getting at the motivation. Why are you here, he's asking the crowds. Why are you here? We're all motivated by something. Why are you here today? 
We're all motivated by something. This summer, during our sabbatical, uh, Manny and Elijah were part of a, uh, a, of a camp, a month-long camp at, our, uh, at my home church in, in Virginia. And the first day, Elijah, um, yeah, he's in the preschool class, and he didn't want to go in. He didn't know these people. It's a huge, massive undertaking, and hundreds of people are there. And he, you know, the, the other kids are like that, too. There's some who are, are fine. They're, like, playing on their own. But um, a lot of the kids were sad to leave their parents, and Elijah was one of them. I said, Elijah, hey, um, if, you, if you do a great job and you just stay in today, at the end of the week, uh, we'll buy you Legos, okay, Legos, amazing Legos. He said, no, Mommy, no, Daddy, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And he said, come on, Elijah, just do it, just do it. And so, uh, you know, he said, okay, I'll do it. So he wasn't the only one like that. There are other kids who are sad, who are crying. There was this one little girl, she was crying, 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 crying. Um, uh, mommy, don't want you to leave. So mommy comes over and she whispers something in her ear. The girl's like, like wiping her tears, nodding her head. I said, so whatever she said worked. I want to know what she said. And so she walks away and I'm like watching her. Because like, I'm, I'm tapping Elijah, trying to comfort him and watching her. And as right as she's leaving, she's about to leave the door, she turns around like, this is like so dramatic, her hair's like flying in the wind, turns around, dress, I'm just kidding, but she, she turns around and she points at the girl and she's like, tonight, tonkatsu, right? <laughs> and the girl's like, so she was motivated by the fact that tonight, if she makes it through, she's going to eat pork katsu. Yes, we're all motivated by something. And Jesus is getting at the heart of the issue, and says, what's your motivation for following me? Says it to the crowds, but he says it to us also. Why do you follow Jesus? Do you follow Jesus? Because you know if you do, there's a happily ever after story after you die. Do you follow Jesus because you feel like being a Christian gives you a, a, a broader status in society that, hey, you know, I can trust that person and it's good for work, good for school. Do you, do you follow Jesus? Because you, you know that in coming to church, you can meet a lot of friends, friends who would typically be pretty good people who aren't going to lead you astray. Do you follow Jesus? Because maybe if I pray to him, he's going to give me money. Do you pray to Jesus because you think he's going to make you healthy? because you, he answers all of your prayers? Or do you follow Jesus because you love Jesus? Do you follow Jesus because you need him, not what he gives to you? Jesus didn't say in verse 35, then Jesus declared, I will give you the bread of life. He who comes to me, I will give constant bread. He will never go hungry. He says, I am the bread of life. You can have all of those other things, but if you miss out on the bread, you're not going to live. Here's how you can tell. Here's how you can tell that you're following Jesus because you think he'll give you some kind of bread rather than because he is bread himself. Okay? Here's how you know. It says in verse 30, so they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you. What will you do? Don't they understand? He just fed them bread from heaven. 
He just walked on water. What more sign do they need? Here's how you know that you're following Jesus because of what he gives you rather than because you want a relationship with him. You're constantly asking, what can you do for me now, Jesus? What can you give me next, Jesus? How can you show up in my life now, Jesus? What's the next thing you're going to do in my life? If our attitude is constantly, Jesus, you're not pulling through for me, then it's a pretty good indication that maybe you're following Jesus for yourself and for what you can get instead of because you love Jesus and you want a relationship with him. There's another thing, though. There's two more things. Verse 41, at this the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Do you find yourself grumbling a lot? Are you complaining a lot? Like constantly complaining about this, about that, about what God has not done, about why. You know, someone said, someone said yesterday, Pastor, I'm, uh, I serve God so faithfully. But why is my power still out? <laughs> right? I, they were joking. But that's the attitude. Maybe you're not joking and you feel that way. And why are these things happening to me? We do everything in order to follow the Lord God. And then in verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And you know, you follow Jesus because of what you think he can give rather than because of Jesus himself. If you feel like, you know what, I'm going to walk away from Jesus. I don't want to follow him anymore. I don't want to follow him because it just, it, it's just not worth it. Jesus says, I didn't come to give you bread. I am the bread of life. I think some of us need to understand. We've been following Jesus because we thought he could give us something. When's the last time we just loved Jesus? Because he's worthy to be loved. Because he's beautiful. Because he's lovely. Because he's worthy. Because he's great. When's the last time we put Jesus above all other things in our lives and said, even if it hurts, I'm going to love Jesus and I'm going to follow him. Guys, I just... I just want us to love Jesus more. I don't want us to be deluded into thinking that loving this world is going to make us happy. It's not. It hasn't for me. It will never for me. It will never for you either. Because the world's bakery is always selling us bread that's going to rot and is not going to satisfy. Jesus is the bread of life. He says the way that you eat him, the way that you partake of him, says, he who believes in me, in verse 35, will never be thirsty again. This is the work of God. It's to not work. It's to believe in him. It's to believe in him. That's what it means to eat of the bread. Bread that's unwrapped, right? bread that's unwrapped in its, in its bag is going to do nothing for anybody. Like just because you're in a bakery... <laughs> doesn't mean you're eating that bread. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you've opened the bread of life and begun to eat it. Smelling it is not good enough. Right? You need to partake of it. And he says, this is what it means to eat. It's to believe. It's to trust and to trust fully. Not I trusted Jesus for my salvation, but right now do you believe that Jesus is everything to you? That he can satisfy you like no one else can 
like no one was meant to do, like nothing was meant to do. You got to eat. You got to open your heart. You got to trust. You got to believe. I am um, one of my favorite, uh, I'm not a big bread eater, <laughs> but one of my favorite places to eat bread is Red Lobster. You ever go to Red Lobster, eat that like cheese bread? That junk is glorious, man. If there's a I think if Jesus was alive today, he would say, I am the red lobster cheese bread of life. <laughs> he wouldn't say that, but this is what I say. Uh, I don't eat there often. Well, if I have a gift card, I'll go there, but I'll live. let's go to Red Lobster. Why? They got free bread. That's what I say. But then I, as I eat this, I realize, you know, it, it comes with a bunch of, comes with a bunch of fine print. Like, most of the time, when you try to ask for, like, can you just bring out, like, five things of bread? Like, oh, sorry, we've got to bake it, and it's going to take a long time. And I think they intentionally take forever to bake it so that your food comes out, so you forget about the bread, so that the employees can take it home. But they, oh, it's going to take a long time. Uh, it's going to take, yeah, it'll take, like, 20 minutes. Do you want us to bring it out after your dessert is here? So they say that to try and psych us out. Oh, never mind, don't worry about it. But, they, hey, you know what? Uh, they brought it out. Yeah, I'll take, your, I'll take your bread after dessert. So they, they bring us like a basket of bread and then we take it home. Like, oh yeah, because we're Asian, we like to take food home from the restaurant. Even if it's like, you know, jam or butter, yeah, I'll take it all. <laughs> Coffee cream or take it all. Hey, there's like, <laughs> there's like a pitcher of, of cream. Yeah, just take it, put it in your purse. And I don't do that, of course. I don't, I don't have a purse, but uh, some, of y'all, some of y'all might do that. So yeah, let's take all of this stuff. But I realized something about this stuff that's so glorious. The bread really isn't free. Because I can't sit there and order all this bread and order nothing else and just walk out. It really does cost something. And it's limited in its quantity because they limit it for you. They won't bring it all out. And even if I got 10 things of bread and I took it home, if I don't eat it, pretty soon it's going to go bad. All of a sudden, I think about that, and I'm like, Olive, never mind, let's not go to Red Lobster. It's not a greatest deal as I thought. When Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, what he offers us is this irresistible offer that you could have as much as you want, and it will always taste just as good as it does, just as good tomorrow as it did today, and just as good today as it did 30 years ago and just as good 30 years from now as it does the moment you first ate it. It will never fail to satisfy. It will never go bad on you. It will never spoil. It will never disappoint you. And it's completely free. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and after he broke it, said, this is my body. Why can we have this bread? Why can we eat for free? Because Jesus paid the price on Calvary's cross to be nailed, to die, to rise again so that you and I could not only eat forever, but we could live forever. And the moment we believe is the moment that new life begins. If you haven't begun that new life, the invitation is to come, take, and eat of the bread that is Jesus. And for those of us who've already put our trust in Jesus, 
but we've backslidden into places where we've snuck off into other bakeries and we're feeding off moldy bread. He says, would you return to me today? Come to this table that's far better than anything this world can give and eat and be satisfied without money, without cost. Let's pray. Let's take a moment to just talk to the Lord God in response. If you haven't put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of your sins, to be the one who satisfies your life, then Jesus is here and he says, I'm here, I'm right here with you. All you need to do is open your heart. Say, Jesus, I need you. I want to eat of the bread of life today. To open your heart to him. Others of us, this week I was challenged. Guys, I was broken in my heart. I know it's easy for me. It's easy for me to follow Jesus because of what he gives and then to get upset when he doesn't give what I think he ought to have given. And I repent. And I come back to Jesus this week. Say, Jesus, I just want more of you. You are the bread of life. I just want to love you. I don't want to love things. I don't want to love stuff. I don't want more. I want you, Jesus. I want you. Some of us, maybe we need to make a choice if all we want is more and more and more of what the world gives, the, the surest way for you to lo loosen the grip of money and material on your heart is to give more. I'm not saying necessarily give to church. That's a great place. If you're fed spiritually at our church, then yeah, by all means, give. But it's not just about giving. It's about being a generous person generous person with a spirit that is free that doesn't clutch to the bread of this world but freely gives what we have let's pray together for a couple moments let's repent let's return let's believe let's trust let's pray together for a few moments right now give an invitation for us to think about if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ sitting in a bakery is not the same thing as opening up the bread and eating sitting in a church is not the same thing as putting your trust in Jesus any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger just because we come to church doesn't mean we're Christian follower of Christ you to think about this. If you have yet to put your trust in Jesus Christ, 
You can do that today. You can do that now. You can stop chasing and clinging to the bread of this world. And you can find your soul's satisfaction in Jesus Christ today. In a few seconds, I'm going to give this invitation. If you feel like, yeah, you know what? That describes me, and I want Jesus. In half a minute, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand as our eyes are closed. And this is, you know, it's just a, a decision you make between you and God. But I want to be able to talk with you and to meet up and, and, and try and help you to walk through these next steps. So as you think about that, if that's you, yeah, you know what? I need Jesus in my life. That's you. And for all of us, we just continue to pray. But if that's you, would you just raise your hand where you are? I can see. And okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, praise God. Yeah. Yeah. This is your sign of commitment to the Lord. children who clutched on to that bread everything changed once they found that bread and for those of us in here today who are making this decision to cling to the bread of life everything changes so in our hearts can we just repeat this prayer just make this prayer your own I pray this slowly Lord Jesus thank you you are the bread of life. I'm so hungry and this world has failed me. I've chased after other things and the Bible says that sin and the price of that sin is death. But the gift of God through Jesus Christ, our bread of life is eternal life. And so thank you, Jesus that you live the perfect life that all humans were commanded to live. But you became the substitute, not only in life, but in death. You died for me so I could live again. I believe that you did that. I trust you. So Lord Jesus, be my Savior and be my Lord. Change me from the inside out. Help me to be who you want me to be. So, Father in heaven, we thank you for all who have confessed this anew and for those who have renewed their commitment to you. By your Holy Spirit, bring us back to the feasting table of the bread of life, Jesus. No other bread satisfies. No other bread would give its life for us. Help us to live as disciples of Christ husbands and wives, talking with each other about how we can live more fully surrendered to the Lord. Parents and children talking about how we as families can live more devoted to Christ to no longer feast at the table of this world, but to turn to Jesus. Individuals in house churches and Bible study classes encouraging one another to live this out so that we might be strong in you for a witness as our act of worship. In Jesus' name we pray.